We have Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 before us this morning. We'll be finishing up our look into these foundational verses for how to live the Christian life. The doctrine that we have in Scripture is incredibly practical. It's often maligned as if it were not practical by those who do not believe the Scriptures. But for those who know Christ and know the power of the truth, we find that it has a transformative effect in the heart and in the mind that is able to set people free from destructive habits and dominating sins. The problems that we have in the world are many, but the root of our problems is, of course, the problem of sin, the problem of moral evil. And the moral evil that is in the world is not just in systems or social constructs, but it's in the heart. Jesus Christ said that it's out of the heart that arise all of the covetousness, all of the evil, all of the murders, all of the wickedness that is in the world, all of the harm, all of the evil. It comes from the human heart. And so what God does is he doesn't just reform systems, but God regenerates hearts. God renews minds. There's a great ministry that I'd like to recommend to you, a ministry of God's Word, a ministry of the truth, that is called Renewing Your Mind. You might be familiar with that radio program, Renewing Your Mind, hosted by R.C. Sproul before he went to go be with the Lord. Well, it's a great time we live in where so much of the teaching of Bible teachers are able to be preserved and enjoyed even after their departure. And so Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is where that ministry took its name the renewal of the mind. Let's take a look at that. Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Follow along in your Bibles. I'll read it for us once again. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Uh, I love these verses. I'm so glad that we've had sufficient time to unpack all of these meaningful terms that Paul uses throughout his letters to describe how real change is accomplished. How do people change? You know, sometimes you might hear that people don't really change. And from a human perspective, that's true. Human beings, left to themselves, they don't really change. They might change in some outward manifestation, but they are what they are in their heart. But true change at the heart level is what is possible by the power of God and the power of God alone. Amen? Amen. It is the power of God that changes our hearts. It reorients the human heart from darkness towards light. And the power of God is found in the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. If you don't believe, it doesn't look very powerful. But if you do believe, then you are experiencing the power of God in your life. Now, in the opening verse here in Romans chapter 12, a moment for review, you see that Paul, along with Peter and other writers in the New Testament, present this key idea of identifying the church as a holy priesthood, a group of people who are in liturgical service to God. And the liturgy that we are involved with is not just what takes place on a Sunday morning on a stage in a church building, but the liturgy of the Christian church is your whole life. 
It's the sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, the sacrifice of morally obedient lives, morally good lives that are obedient to God's word. It's everything in you and everything that's coming from you that is lifted up to God as a sacrifice, a soothing aroma, to use the Old Testament terminology, that is pleasing to God. So you're a priest and you're offering up spiritual sacrifices. And that's what we are doing together as this holy temple built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, the cornerstone being Christ himself. Once you understand what you are, who you are, and what you are a part of, well then you have an identity upon which you can build a meaningful life. And the world that we live in today is talking a lot about identity. They're kind of consumed with the idea of identity. And they're looking for identity. Well, there is one identity that can satisfy the human soul and that can unite humanity together. And that is the identity that is built on Jesus Christ and the holy priesthood that comes from faith in him. May the nations of the world unite in this. May Jesus Christ be praised. That's the only hope for mankind. It's the only identity that provides a sure foundation for our life to live out from. So here, you've got that in verse 1. And we focused a lot on that a couple weeks ago. Last week then, we focused on the first part of verse 2, where we were encouraged and exhorted and commanded to not be conformed to this world. We spent a good amount of time talking about this world, this age that we live in, the time that is given over to the evil one as the ruler of this current age. And that we don't want to be in that schematic. We don't want to be in that pattern of this present world. And in contrast to that, I want to focus on the renewal of the mind that is the contrast to being conformed to the world. You can have the world's thinking, the world's values, the world's goals and ambitions, or you can have Christ's thinking, Christ's values, Christ's dreams and ambitions. This is the transformation that takes place in verse 2. Now when you look at that phrase, the renewal of the mind, I've got some great verses that I want us to consider together this morning that have the same idea and will help flesh it out for us to really understand what Paul is talking about. He writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4.16, much along the same lines, where he says, We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self... So here, instead of the mind, he talks about the inner self. These are near synonyms, two ways of talking about the same thing. Our inner self is our mind. It's that part of you that is the thinking part of you, the rational part of you, the feeling part of you, the conscious part of you on the inside. That part of you is being renewed day by day. So here you've got the contrast not between conformity to the world and renewal of the mind, but here you've got the contrast between our body getting older and falling apart and our mind being renewed and made stronger. That is an encouraging thing to me, that as I look forward to getting older and not enjoying all the strength and energy and health that I've had as a younger man, that I still have something to look forward to, that God is going to continue the work that he's began in me until the day of Christ Jesus, and I can become stronger in my spirit even as my body becomes weaker. And that can help even make up for some of the weakness in the body is the strength of the spirit. So that renewal is a renewal that is happening day by day. Notice that emphasis, day by day. Today is a great day for the renewing of the mind. Tomorrow is a great day for the renewing of your mind. This is the work of God that is going on in you. He began it. He's continuing that work. What is God doing in your life? He wants to renew your mind. And what is your mind? 
Your mind is your thinking, your beliefs. And you've got to identify beliefs that are not in accord with Christ and put those off. And you've got to put on the thinking and the beliefs that are in accordance with Christ. And when you start to get yourself tempted to get into a rut of a certain kind of thinking, maybe it's a discouragement that you want to focus on, maybe it's a temptation that you're falling prey to, maybe it's some falsehood that you've latched onto and believed to be true, you've got to identify those things as that's the worldly thinking. That's the schematic of this present age. And I'm going to not be conformed to that. You've got power. You've got the ability in the Holy Spirit to be able to put off those things and to put on the mind of Christ. Even today I was discouraged for a moment. But then you go and you spend some time praising the Lord and he renews your mind and and he gets you excited about what lies ahead. So you can't do it alone. But you're not alone. And God is doing that work of renewing your mind, but it's also a work that we are active in as well. It's not a completely passive, just let God do it type of thing, but it's not a do it on your own without God type of thing either. There's a fellowship, a partnership here in the mind renewal. The second verse that I want us to consider this morning when speaking about mind renewal is in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. Here you notice the past tense that you have put on the new self. So this is your identity in Christ. Who are you? You are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed away. All things have been made new. You've got to think correctly about yourself. That's part of having the mind of Christ. So you have put on the new self. And this new self is being renewed. So it's not like it was all done at salvation and now there's no work going on. Yes, there was a foundational work done when you became a Christian. You were born again. You were made new. But that new self is being renewed. It's an ongoing work of God to renew your mind in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now that phrase, in knowledge after the image of its creator, is one that's going to tie in very well with another verse I have for us a little bit later on. Well, I guess we're ready for it. This is the one right here. Here I want you to consider what God wrote to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, I love this picture. It's a picture of beholding the glory of the Lord with an unveiled face. This is in contrast to Moses who had a veil over his face when he went and spoke to the people of Israel that there was still something in the way of having a clear, unobscured look at the glory of God. And what Paul is doing here, he's saying that the new covenant is so far superior to the old covenant that the old covenant is like you were looking through a veil at the glory of God. But now the veil has been taken away in Christ and you're able to just stare straight into the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you do that, with this unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord, that is what transforms your mind. That's what renews your mind. You are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So you have a responsibility for your mindset, for where you set your mind. And the Bible says to set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And so you've got to look back and evaluate your own thinking. Look at the pattern of your thoughts and your meditations throughout your week, throughout your day. And say, am I setting my mind on Christ Or am I setting my mind on things of the earth? And and what does it mean to set your mind on Christ? What does it mean to be beholding the glory of the Lord? To behold the glory of the Lord is to set your mind on the person of Christ, the words of Christ, 
the deeds of Christ and to be constantly remembering the one who died for you. This do in remembrance of me. And so it's his life, it's his death, it's his person, it's his attributes, it's his character, it's everything about him that you need to be thinking about. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. But you know what's probably second most important is how often do you think about God, right? It's one thing to have right thoughts about God, but if you don't spend time focusing your mind on those truths about God, don't be surprised if you start to get conformed to the world and start to think and act and believe and feel like them instead of acting and thinking and believing and feeling like God. It's by looking at God that we become like him. And God reveals himself through his holy word. And this is all from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You see, the Spirit of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the one who is transforming us. It's his power, and we're going from one degree of glory to another. So it would be interesting if you could see with God's eyes out on the congregation this morning and see what degree of glory each one of us has attained, so to speak, in our knowledge of God and knowledge of Christ. And God, he probably is able to like look and see like a amount of glory, amount of Christ-likeness that is emanating from each one of us. And God wants there to be a lot. He wants to see just the glory of Christ just shining in the spiritual world that he's got eyes to see and, and you're starting to be able to have eyes to see. And you can look around the room and you can just look at people and say, well, I see Christ in that person. I see Christ's attitude. I see his love. I see his humility. I see his service. I see his zeal. I see his wisdom. I see his knowledge. I see his strength and his power. And you look around and you start to just see Christ in all the people who are being transformed into his image and likeness. Isn't that awesome? A couple other verses here for us to consider. Romans chapter 8, verse 7, going back a few chapters in Romans to chapter 8, where we were talking about the mind. So as we focus the command on be transformed by the renewal of your mind, here is the contrast, the mind that is on the flesh. If you have a mind that is set on the flesh, that's a mindset that's hostile towards God, and that's the mindset that we're not supposed to be conformed to. But if you have a mindset of the Spirit, which is the contrast there in Romans chapter 8, the flesh versus the Spirit, if you have a mind that is filled with the Spirit of God, then that is a mind that does submit to God's law and is able to do God's will. And that's what Paul talks about there in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. That when your mind is renewed, then you can test and discern what is the will of God. You're doing what is good in God's sight. Also, this connection between the mind and Christ is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. You just see this over and over again throughout Paul's letters, and I'm just showing you a few of the verses. But Paul writes there, again, about the God of this world. That's the God of this age, the same term that he uses in Romans 12, 2, to not be conformed to this world, this age. That he has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. They don't see Christ. He is keeping them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so learning about God, thinking about God, meditating on God, praising God, singing hymns of praise to God, giving thanks to Him, thinking about His commandments, putting His commandments into practice, thinking about His truth and reckoning it true, putting off the falsehood. This is beholding Christ. This is what it looks like for someone to be able to have eyes open to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. All right, And then another verse here in Ephesians 4.17 Paul says to us as Christians, you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. 
same idea that we have in Romans 12 too. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't live like they do in the futility of their minds. See, it's the mind that leads to the life. And you've got to be able to fix your thinking if you're going to be able to fix your life and your living. And that's what the Word of God does. The Word of God straightens out your thinking. And you want to take every thought captive to obedience to Christ by examining it according to Scripture. And if it's false, then don't believe it. And you've got to be able to ask God to say, God, show me the things that I believe that are false that are keeping me from being like you and acting the way that you want me to do it. And when you look at any behavior in your life that is not according to God's word, I would not be surprised if you ask God to show you what is it that I believe that is false that is leading me to commit this sin, to act in this disobedience. It's what you believe and what you think that is going to lead to your actions, and that's where the battle is won. The battle is in your mind. It's not just willpower that you lack. It's beliefs, thinking that needs to be corrected and changed. And Ephesians 4.23 gives the same command to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. I want to focus on the truth as we wrap things up here this morning. I mentioned that the Bible is the tool that God uses to reveal himself, to reveal himself through Christ, in Christ, as he is the revealer of the Father. And so 1 Timothy 6.5 has this contrast between people who are true teachers of God's word, as we hope that we are in this church, and those who are false workers. And here you see that the false workers, they bring constant friction. There's no peace for the wicked. There's no rest. But there's constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Notice the connection there. Depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. A deprivation of truth leads to depravity of the mind. The truth is so essential that you think truth in your heart, that you believe truth in your mind so that we do not become fleshly and worldly. Again, another verse with this connection with the truth and the mind. You see here that Janus and Jambres were the Egyptians who opposed Moses. In a similar manner, false teachers in Paul's day opposed the truth What are they opposing? They're not opposing Paul. They're opposing the truth. And the truth is the issue. The truth is what is important. And these men who are opposing the truth, notice they are corrupted in mind. The corruption of the mind comes from this deprivation of truth, and that disqualifies them regarding the faith. So, if you want to change... If there are things in your life that are not Christ-like, if you want more glory, if you want to increase in one degree of glory to another, then here's what you have to do, practically speaking. You have to discipline your thinking. You have to examine your beliefs, your values, your goals, your ambitions, according to the scriptures. And you have to root out everything that is false and fleshly and not of God's spirit and replace it with truth. Replace falsehood with truth. Replace lies with God's word. When you believe the truth, it has a transformative and powerful effect. And who is the truth? The truth is Jesus Christ. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Read the Bible with the desire to see and behold God, his character, his nature. And that will transform you from one degree of glory to another. And that's where victory is found in the Christian life.